Hello, it's Thursday, the 8th of February, and welcome to Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon Jang Woo. President Yoon Sang Yeol dismissed calls for the country's nuclear armament during a special New Year interview with KBS. He also addressed concerns of the nation's critically low birth rate and the criticisms surrounding the First Lady's acceptance of a luxury bag gift. We'll have more details in news briefings shortly. And then later, we'll further dissect the interview with our panel of political commentators for Weekly Take. And coming up on Explore Korea, we'll be learning about a new musical called Il Tenore, about the first ever locally staged opera in Korea during the Japanese colonial period. We have all that and more on today's Korea 24. President Yoon sung yeol held an exclusive interview with KBS to mark the new year, which aired Wednesday night. During the session, he shared his thoughts on key issues, including North Korea, the low birth rate, and criticisms surrounding the First Lady's acceptance of a luxury bag gift. For more on this story and other headlines from today, I'm joined in the studio by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel Chair. Daniel, hello. Hello there, jang So a wide range of topics were covered in the 100-minute-long program. Uh, let's start with what he said regarding topics related to North Korea and go from there. What were the key points he made? Well, he emphasized it's in the national interest to comply with the non-proliferation treaty, dismissing calls for the country's nuclear armament, clarifying the government's stance on the matter as he enters his third year in office. He pointed out that developing such weapons will make the nation the subject to various economic sanctions, just like North Korea, and this will deal a blow to the economy. But Yoon also added that considering the country's technological prowess, South Korea should be able to develop its own nuclear weapons if the country puts its mind to it. On the idea of inter-Korean summit, he warned against holding talks for the sake of talks. Here's what he had to say. An inter-Korean summit could be held, regardless of whether or not North Korea gives up its nuclear weapons. But for that to happen, a humanitarian cooperative relationship needs to be developed, and it should not be arranged in a top-down manner. Such a summit must be held in a bottom-up manner following exchanges and discussions between working-level officials, and after the agenda and desired outcome are prepared. Just pushing ahead with it could again end up as a show without any conclusion or benefit. And regarding the controversy surrounding First Lady Kim Gunny's acceptance of a luxury bag from an acquaintance back in 2022, who secretly recorded the scene with a hidden camera on his wristwatch, the president characterized the incident as a political setup ahead of the elections in April. Have a listen. As I see it, the fact that she was unable to cold-heartedly reject it was the problem, if it was a problem, and it is a little regrettable. If she had told me about the situation in advance, I would have been a little more decisive because I worked in law enforcement for 26 years and still have that DNA. But I think she probably found it difficult to reject him due to various circumstances. It's a little regrettable.
Moving on to other topics, the in- during the interview, President said his government will take a structural approach to address the record low birth rate, which is expected to drop below 0.7 and to raise it to 1.0 per woman. He believes the issue stems from excessive comp- competition, the competitive nature of Korean society, and there were expectations he'd introduce specific plans. Though, uh, Yoon said he plans to actively manage living costs, including the prices of daily necessities, by easing related regulations. As the interview took place after a year-and-a-half-long absence of a presidential news conference, he vowed to find more ways to communicate with the members of the media and the press. The ruling and opposition parties issued mixed reactions to President Yoon San yeols interview. Can you tell us what they said? Regarding the interview ruling, People Party Chairman Han Dong-un said Yoon expressed his honest thoughts on various issues, including the allegation over First Lady's acceptance of a luxury bag, and that he vowed to prevent a recurrence of such issues. Han said the president sympathizes with the fact that there are public concerns, while reiterating Yoon's stance that the hidden camera footage being released before the general election was a political tactic. Main opposition Democratic Party slammed Yoon's response to allegations surrounding the First Lady, saying that his attitude was shameless and lacked an apology. DP floor leader Hong Yi-pyo criticized the president, saying the remarks were empty talk that started with an excuse and ended with self-justification without a word of reflection on repeated misfortunes and mistakes of his administration. Yes, and we'll have further analysis of the president's interview for Weekly Take coming up later in the show today. Let's head over to North Korea next, where the regime's Supreme People's Assembly has reportedly voted to scrap laws and agreements signed with South Korea to promote inter-Korean economic cooperation. Can you tell us more? According to North Korea's state-run Korean Central News Agency on Thursday, the Assembly made the move in a plenary session at the Mansude Assembly Hall the previous day. The parliament voted to abolish the law governing economic ties with Seoul, the special law on the operation of the Mount Kumgang Tourism Project and related regulations for its enforcement, and agreements on inter-Korean economic cooperation. Uh, the law on inter-Korean economic cooperation adopted in 2005 is considered a basic framework for such cooperation between the two sides, while the law on the special zone in Mount Kumgang, adopted in 2011, stipulates details on investments in the area by South Korea and overseas entities. The unilateral move comes after North Korean leader Kim Jong-un defined inter-Korean ties as relations between two states at war during a year-end meeting of the Workers' Party. However, the ministry in charge of inter-Korean affairs here in South Korea said Seoul does not acknowledge North Korea's unilateral decision that it will scrap their past agreements. Can you tell us more about their response? Yes, according to a unification ministry official on Thursday, Seoul does not consider the agreements to be automatically invalidated by Pyongyang's unilateral decision. As of late 2018, 112 out of 258 agreements concerned inter-Korean economic cooperation. Amid aggravated cross-border tensions and suspended economic cooperation due to international sanctions, the official said no immediate response is expected from Seoul. Let's turn to other matters now. An appeals court confirmed the initial sentence of two years in prison for former Justice Minister Cho Guk. He's accused of using his influence to receive academic favours for his children and interfering with an inspection into a corruption case. On Thursday, the Seoul High Court said the former Justice Minister had not attempted admitted his crime nor shown any attitude of reflecting on his mistakes in the initial trial or the appeals trial. 
However, the court stated it's difficult to believe that there is risk of destruction of evidence or fleeing as Cho will avoid detention. Uh, Cho pled guilty to most of the charges, including fabricating various documents to help his two children get into universities and graduate schools and receiving bribes worth six million won in the form of a scholarship for his daughter, as well as charges of using his power as a presidential aide back then to end an inspection into bribery allegations involving a former Busan vice mayor. Meanwhile, the court lowered a one-year prison sentence for Cho's wife, Chung Young-shim, to a one-year sentence suspended for two years. She is convicted of serving as an accomplice in the academic fraud. We head over to Japan next, where the Tokyo Electric Power Company, or TEPCO, the operator of the crippled Fukushima nuclear power plant, reportedly said that about 5.5 tons of radioactive water has leaked from a device treating contaminated water at the plant. What more can you tell us? According to the Asai Shimbun on Wednesday, workers discovered water leaking from the device used to purify nuclear contaminated water during an inspection of the equipment at around 9 a.m. At the time of the accident, the purification equipment was stopped as the workers were removing contamination in preparation for the inspection, and valves on the equipment were accidentally opened, causing the contaminated water remaining in the pipe to flow out of it. The amount of water that leaked was approximately 5.5 tons, which may contain 22 billion becquerels of radioactive materials, but they stated there was no impact on the area around the plant. Uh, the South Korean government said there's been no meaningful change in the degree of radiation after the accident, I understand. Yes, Kim Sung-gyu, Director General of Radiation Prevention at the Nuclear Safety and Security Commission, said on Thursday the leak occurred prior to the Alps purification and was not directly linked to Japan's gradual release of wastewater into the ocean. Both Tokyo and the IAEA informed Seoul of the incident on the day of the leakage. Through reinforced monitoring, it's found that radiation detection measurements remain at normal levels even after the leak. In other news, a court ordered an eight-year prison sentence for a mother in her 30s who killed two newborn babies and stored their bodies in the family refrigerator in Suwon, Gyeonggi province. Can you tell us more? On Thursday, the Suwon District Court emphasized the seriousness of the crime, saying that it violates the noble value of life and that the victims were human beings fully dependent on the accused and required protection. The court took into account that the accused admitted to her crimes, showed deep remorse, and that her family, already with three children, faced severe economic challenges. It did not accept the accused's claims of physical and mental impairment. The court denied a stay of execution for the mother, who is currently expecting another child, stating it was advisable for her to deliver at a hospital under the protection of the Suwon Detention Center. And finally, the Lunar New Year holiday begins tomorrow, and so does the Lunar New Year holiday traffic. It's inevitable, of course. So uh, what should we brace for as we hit the road for family gatherings? So according to the Transport Ministry, conditions are expected to peak Friday morning on the roads. Bumper-to-bumper traffic expected. Over a quarter of travelers are expected to leave the metro area on this day, the eve of the Lunar New Year Day. So... Uh, be ready to be behind the wheel 9 hours and 10 minutes on the expressway from Seoul to Busan, 7 hours to Gwangju, 5 hours and 5 minutes to the eastern city of Gangneung. Some 28% of travelers are expected to return home Sunday afternoon, so that trip will likely take 8 hours and 25 minutes from Busan to Seoul, 6 hours and 55 minutes from Gwangju, and 4 hours and 40 minutes from Gangneung. Uh, there are many planning to take flight for vacation during the long holiday weekend as well, so Incheon International Airport authorities are expecting an average of 195,000 people a day to travel through the airport during the four days. That's why we wrap up our news briefing today. Daniel, thank you for those updates. Thank you so much for having me.
Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index rose 10.74 points, or 0.41% on Thursday, to close at 2,620.32. The tech-heavy Kosdaq also climbed, gaining 14.66 points, or 1.81%, to close at 826.58. On the foreign exchange, the local currency weakened 0.41 against the US dollar, closing the day at 1,328.21. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. It's time now for Global News Roundup, where we look beyond Korea to talk about issues making headlines around the world. Joining us for that in the studio, it is our KBS World Radio news editor, Ku Hee-jin. Hee-jin, hello. Hello, jang For our first story, we return to the Middle East and efforts to hammer out an Israel-Hamas ceasefire. Yesterday, we talked about a Hamas counteroffer to an initial draft prepared by US, Qatari and Egyptian mediators last week. However, the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has apparently dismissed Hamas's proposals, calling them delusional, which may hamper diplomatic efforts. So what can you tell us? Well, Netanyahu said during a news briefing on Wednesday, we haven't committed to anything. We haven't committed to any of the delusional demands of Hamas, the numbers of terrorists with blood on their hands. He added that Israel's aim is complete victory and the country will do will not do less than that. He was responding to reports by C- CNN, Reuters and other major news outlets that Hamas had presented its own proposal for a deal by calling for a three-phase Israeli withdrawal from the enclave uh, of Gaza uh, during a four-and-a-half-month truce and a plan to permanently end the war. Netanyahu, whose response is likely uh, to be seen as a blow to US Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who is visiting the region amid intensifying efforts aimed at securing a breakthrough in the conflict. And the rejection also comes after Israel ordered an attack on on the southern Gaza city of Rafah, a city sheltering more than 1.2 million Palestinians displaced from their homes by the war. Indeed, Israel's rejection and continued attack orders prompted Blinken to call on Israel to prioritise civilians in Rafah, but he stopped short of dissuading its plans of attack. He addressed his concerns to Israeli officials, saying that the uh, dehumanising kidnapping of Israelis in Gaza on the 7th of October last year that triggered the war was no license for Israel to dehumanize others. UN Secretary of General Antonio Guterres also voiced his concerns, saying it would exponentially increase what is already a humanitarian nightmare with untold regional consequences. Blinken, after discussions with Israel and Palestinian officials on Wednesday, said that mediators and negotiators are determined to pursue a diplomatic uh, diplomatic solution and that they are slowly proceeding in that direction. Netanyahu also did not rule out the possibility of further negotiations. Okay, so not all hope is lost for a deal, but it looks like there'll be much, much more wrangling before we come close to one. Mm -hmm. We'll continue to watch the situation. And in the meantime, let's turn to our next topic. And it's about climate change concerns. The EU's Copernicus Climate Change Service has confirmed that global warming in 2023 exceeded the 1.5 degrees centigrade limit 
across the entire year for the first time, an upper threshold set by leaders during the 2015 Paris Agreement. Yes, uh, world leaders promised in 2015 to try to limit the long-term temperature rise to 1.5 degrees centigrade, which is seen as a crucial to help avoid the most damaging of impacts. The confirmation by the EU's climate service of the first year-long breach doesn't break the landmark Paris Agreement, but it does bring the world closer to doing so in the long term. For months, the service has foreshadowed that the 2023 figures will likely hit record highs, limiting long-term warming to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels before humans started to burn uh, large amounts of fossil fuels has become a key symbol of international efforts to tackle climate change. A landmark UN report in 2018 said the risks from climate change, such as intense heat waves, rising sea levels and loss of wildlife were much higher at 2 degrees Celsius of warming than at 1.5 degrees. Sadly, this year-long breach is no major surprise, right? Mm. January was the eighth record warm month in a row. Indeed. And what all the major data sets agree is that the world is in by far the warmest period since modern records began and likely for much longer. And the world's sea surfaces are also at its highest ever recorded average uh, temperature, yet another sign of the widespread uh, nature of climate records. Um, uh, Scientists have attributed global warming to human activities, mainly from burning fossil fuels, which releases planet warming gases like carbon dioxide. In recent months, a natural uh, climate warming phenomenon known as El Nino has also given air temperatures an extra boost, which was behind the historic rainfall and flash floods in Southern California that we talked about earlier. Yes, it looks like the trend will likely continue with more unusual weather patterns expected in the near future. Mm. Finally, we turn to the world of sports. Fans in Hong Kong and mainland China have been seething over a no-show by Lionel Messi when his team Inter Miami played a local Hong Kong team for a pre-season football friendly on Sunday. However, Messi did uh, however, Messi did play at his next game in Tokyo, which has added insult to injury. What can you tell us? Well, the World Cup winning captain Messi returned to action on Wednesday in a match against Vissel Kobe in Tokyo, though Chinese fans remain upset that the star did not play in Sunday's game in Hong Kong. According to CNN, Messi posted on his uh, verified Chinese social media Weibo account moments before taking the pitch on Wednesday. He again expressed regret for not being able to play in Sunday's match. Messi said it was a real shame not to be able to play in Hong Kong due to a groin injury that had swollen and that he was in pain. He added that he hoped that he would be able to play uh, again next time in Hong Kong and China. The eight-time Ballon d'Or winner did not walk onto the field in Hong Kong, disappointing some 40,000 fans that had packed the stadium, many of whom jeered and called for refunds. However, the a problem was that the post displayed an IP address, a Weibo requirement, suggesting that it had been posted from Sichuan, China. This has poured oil over the uh, over the flames as Weibo users dumped angry comments to the post saying, yes, we are so easily to be fooled. And others said, this is not sincere at all. <laughs> yes, the story is an echo of a no-show by Ronaldo at a Juventus friendly with K-League All-Stars back in 2019. His reputation in Korea has never been quite the same since then and I imagine it will be similar with Messi in Hong Kong and China as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Well that's all for today's Global News Roundup. Heejin, thank you for those stories and we'll see you next time. Thank you.
My name is Anna Yates Liu, Assistant Professor from the Department of Korean Music at Seoul National University. You are now listening to Korea 24 on KBS World Radio. On Wednesday, KBS aired its special New Year interview with President Yoon Suk-yeol. During the 100-minute session, which was pre-recorded at the presidential office last Sunday, Yoon fielded a wide range of questions spanning from politics to economy to foreign affairs. He stated that this year he will focus his efforts on achieving results with government policies that the public will be able to feel. To talk more about the interview today for our weekly take, we have two guests joining us on the line. First, we have Philip Professor Kim Byung-ju from the Hanguk University of Foreign Studies. Professor Kim, hello. Hello. And we also have with us Law Professor Song Seryeon from Gyeonggi University. Professor Song, hello to you too. Hello, thanks for inviting me. So, Professor Kim, can we start with your overall assessment of President Yun's New Year interview with KBS? What did you make of it? Well, I think our overall intention was a very good one. Uh, he was trying to reach out to the people. And that intention itself uh, is something that really mattered uh, big time. So I was very much looking forward to, you know, what he had to say uh, before the program. And as I was watching the program, I can see that he was trying hard. And the KBS also was working hard to make the program informative and uh, uh, you know, offer a productive time uh, for the for the viewers all together. Uh, but at the same time, I noticed like some of the very sensitive issues. Uh, we'll talk about first lady and so on. But uh, you know, the other sensitive issues such as the current party leader of uh, People Power Party, Han Dong-un, and also uh, presidential office staffs running for the election in April. Uh, those important and sensitive questions, uh, President was not dodging the question, but he was, uh, in my own view, rather minimalist. Uh, I think uh, viewers, including myself, might have expected uh, more in terms of his elaboration on some of the you know, most sensitive uh, political issues of our time. But he was rather... Uh, I, I didn't notice that he was being too cautious or timid or anything like that, but he was just trying to be very short on his uh, some of his answers. So that's what I noticed. Uh, another thing is uh, some media organizations pointed this out, but the airtime of it, uh, 10 p.m., and went on for about, what, 90, uh, 100 minutes? And that's pretty late for a lot of people. And uh, some of the critics have pointed out that it was kind of like trying to minimize the, the audience ship. And I'm not sure whether it was a, a clear intention or not, but definitely I think it was uh, inconvenient in terms of, uh, you know, uh, many viewers who were interested in what president had to say. So to wrap up all together, the intention was good, but the result and the overall, uh, you know, the level of success, I think the questions remain because we noticed, first of all, I don't know, uh, things might have changed, but as of what uh, this this morning and the noontime, uh, 
People Power Party party itself did not make a comment on President's show, uh, the program. And that's highly unusual because the opposition party was quite critical uh, about the, the program. But People Power Party, President Yoon's own party, was refusing to make any comments and they were saying their comments were not ready. So that's something I noticed as unusual. And then another last point is that Korea's conservative newspaper, Joseon Jungang Dongha, they all carried column uh, considerably critical of his, uh, you know, uh, should we say performance, but his delivery maybe or message uh, overall of the program. So it was unfortunate, even though intention was good, the, the, the overall result or turnout evaluations were not as kind, I think, from the critics. Right. I'm not sure if there was a, an official statement from the PPP, but I do know that Han Dong-un, the interim leader of the party, did say that he thought President Yun sincerely expressed his thoughts in the interview. Uh, Professor Song, let me turn to you now. Professor Song, what did you make of uh, the interview from last night? Well, I generally agree with Professor Kim's assessment. A lot was riding on this, potentially. It was an opportunity to clear up the... Uh, and also reset many things, uh, issues, like the controversy surrounding First Lady, uh, policy plan going forward, economic and diplomatic uh, sectors. And also, uh, this was a chance to promote a transparent communication with people that he promised. And, you know, communication is a key asset to any good politicians. But assessment is that it's, it's not satisfactory on each account he gave textbook sort of standard answers without backing up with what he has accomplished so far. And uh, I thought he made light of key issues, including how to respond uh, regarding the first lady risk. And overall, it seemed there was a scripted and edited documentary without any chance of uh, follow-up questions. So, you know, the, the lawyers in trial, when they are short on logic, they go for emotional appeals. Uh, I saw the same thing happening last night. He talked about his father, first lady's father, their love for puppies, his singing, etc. Heartwarming, but somewhat diverting and beside the point. So, you know, overall assessment is that glad that New Year communication happened, albeit in the uh, second month into the New Year, but weak in content and format. Disappointing. Interesting. Well, let's break down some of the key points from the interview a bit further. Uh, President Yoon shared his thoughts on South Korea's foreign relations. Let's start there. On North Korea, he stressed that the country must further strengthen security as Pyongyang is neither logical nor reasonable. And then with regards to calls for South Korea to build its own nuclear weapons, Yoon said that although it would not take long for South Korea to do so due to its prowess in science and technology, he noted that the country would face various economic sanctions which would strike a heavy blow to the economy. Therefore, he dismissed the idea as unrealistic. As for relations with China, Yoon also dismissed concerns of a rift. He said that he doesn't think there is a difference in the uh, fundamental principles of national policy and diplomacy between the two countries, adding that there are currently no particular problems in bilateral trade. So, Professor Song, let me throw it back to you. What did you make of Yun's remarks on foreign affairs? Well, diplomacy is one of the better aspects of his presidency. However, if you put his answers uh, together uh, last night, he seemed to say that everything is in the right 
place and we don't need to change our diplomatic courses. Uh, but uh, the reality is that the North Korea is escalating tensions. China, our major trade partner, is not on a good terms with the U.S. And even with the U.S., uh, we have not accomplished the concessions. So again, it, it seems as if he either dismisses or doesn't recognize the volatile global situation uh, that can affect Korea politically and economically, even for the, the nuclear weapon issues. Uh, I think a lot of people, including myself, would have opted for a strategic ambiguity rather than saying that uh, this is what the U.S. would not allow, so uh, we wouldn't even try. Um, even though I have no major criticism about his sales diplomacy and going along with the U.S. strategy in the far uh, east, but I hardly see him taking a leadership in the regional affairs. So uh, I, I think that uh, he's also a little bit short on uh, presenting his visions on the diplomatic field. Professor Kim, what about you? What do you make of his remarks on foreign affairs? Well, I think I uh, disagree with Professor Song considerably on the foreign affairs side because I have a f firm conviction that foreign affairs is something that we as a country can uh, control or manage about half of it. And the other half is external conditions, given exogenous conditions. So, uh, yes, indeed, uh, you know, if we take the results, uh, China, North Korea, uh, United States, yes, indeed, uh, uh, there, there are challenges remaining. But uh, we cannot say China, uh, United States and North Korea going into directions that we don't desire as a failure of government policies. I, I disagree with that. And uh, the way I see it, I like to be more generous. And the UN government has been doing what it can uh, and moving toward the right direction in, in many of these several points. Uh, especially with uh, North Korea, for instance, you know, after the efforts to have conversation and dialogue during the previous government, uh, the way UN government has been going in terms of not relying on the goodwill of an authoritarian country, uh, rather focusing on building own capability to defend itself. Basically, it's the right direction to go. Uh, and so in that regard, and also I think he, his government deserves more generous assessment. And then he, I think he was making similar point on that. Uh, one thing that I noticed in his words, something interesting is that uh, maybe other people know about this, but for me it's something new. Uh, he indicated that even if North Korea does not express full commitment to denuclearization, our side wants to talk. Uh, I, I think the similar points have been made before, but but I thought, uh, you know, like a, a South Korean government is ready to talk uh, at any gesture of North Korea's willingness to, to have a discussion. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, and uh, But some people could actually interpret it. Maybe uh, it could be a directional change in terms of, uh, moving away from the goal of denuclearization towards more of arms control and uh, arms reduction talk. Uh, I will reserve my judgment on that, whether such policy change is good or bad, but uh, still it could be an indicator of certain change coming up. And also uh, on the nuclear uh, capability, nuclear development, nuclear weapons development on our own, uh, Professor Song mentioned that he could have been more strategically uh, ambiguous. Well, uh, yes and no. And uh, at the same time, 
I thought, you know, he was balancing it quite all right by highlighting an interesting point that I didn't notice before in other previous presidents' uh, words. That is, Korea has a capability to develop nuclear weapons, and then we can do so quite quickly if we decide to do so. So that reminder was important coming out of uh, President Yoon's own mouth altogether. And then uh, one final point, maybe minor, but, uh, you know, this Yoon government's policy of focusing on human rights uh, or in North Korea uh, as a jurist, someone who specialized in law, he emphasized, according to Korean constitution, North Korean people are Korean people, and therefore uh, we have obligation to care about their human rights and their, their humanitarian conditions. Uh, I thought that was a persu- um, persuasive important reminder uh, added to that. So overall, on the foreign policy side, I would give him a uh, relatively good grade. Okay, well, I think Professor Kim might be too generous. Um, If he take his uh, standard textbook answers, uh, yeah. Uh, But the serious uh, comment, the serious, uh, the plan uh, should have been what he has accomplished so far and build up on it, uh, rather than just say that uh, those words uh, something that he would really put into uh, 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 policy areas. Right. Uh, Professor Kim, I can give you maybe 30 seconds to respond. Oh, yeah. Uh, again, foreign policy, foreign affairs is, uh, is something you can do half of it and the other half is given condition. And he's been running around a lot and his government has had a, quite a clear sense of direction of policy uh, that it was pursuing. So, you know, uh, still, I, I have to... <laughs> I have to be firm on my stance that I want to be more generous to his government's achievements and efforts so far in comparison with Professor Song's assessment. Okay, let's continue on now to domestic politics. There were various areas that we could have touched upon, but we thought we would talk about what he said about the relationship between himself and the opposition parties. When asked about why he hasn't met with opposition party leader Lee Jae-myung, he said that such a meeting could mean that the president would be ignoring the ruling party's leadership. So, Professor Kim, what's your take on what he said there? You know, we've seen this before, we've heard this before um, from the previous presidents before President Yoon. And every time we hear this, uh, different people say different things. But, but what we have to uh, point out is that what, Professor Yoon, uh, what President Yoon said is kind of like a jurist approach, a legalistic approach. Yes, uh, there are two major parties and the leader of the opposition party has to deal with the leader of the, the ruling party. Yes, uh, that's true. But political reality is we do understand that Lee Zemian competed against President Yoon uh, during the presidential election. And there are two political figures that are in competition against one another. So uh, saying that, oh, yeah, party leaders have to meet with one another and then they have to sort out their differences. And the head of the government is a different level. It makes sense system-wise, but I don't think it makes as much sense kind of uh, the, the reality. And again... You know, this point has been made before uh, by previous presidents as well. So I guess what we want, Korean people want to see is presidents, not only President Yoon, but presidents in the past as well, kind of recognize this uh, political reality and be more generous in terms of uh, meeting with uh, the other side of the political spectrum. And they have to be more forthcoming Mm. and because we want dialogue we want cooperation basically in politics so that has been the desire of the people here in korea but uh president yun together with other previous presidents have made this kind of uh statements we have to recognize that 
Professor Song, what did you make of the President's comments regarding uh, the opposition? Well, the question was, uh, given the narrow victory of the presidential election and the opposition party holding the gavel in the National Assembly, why is this government not working with the opposition party to pursue its policy goals? I think the, the answer he gave was uh, lame, especially when the past and present ruling party leaders were picked and uh, kicked out twice by the president. So he, if the box really stops there, uh, he should have given the, the answer that presents a plan or, the, or his resolve to work with the opposition leader. So this is kind of answer that begs the follow questions, but of course the, the KBC reporter yesterday just moved on. Uh, essentially, I think it was a close to non-answer and did not provide a correction to his, one of the, his big failures, not working well with the opposition party when he uh, needed to. So uh, another disappointing uh, uh, opportunity lost moment there. President Yoon also revealed his stance for the first time on the controversy surrounding First Lady Kim Gani and the acceptance of a luxury bag as a gift from an acquaintance in 2022 pointing out that the acquaintance had used a hidden camera in the meeting with Kim and that the footage was disclosed a year after the incident took place in the run-up to the general elections. He said it was a political setup. He also said that, let me quote uh, translation directly, as I see it, the fact that she was unable to cold-heartedly reject it was the problem if it was a problem, and it's a little regrettable. If she had told me about the situation in advance, I would have been a little more decisive. Professor Song, what do you make of the president's stance on this controversy? And do you think the interview dispelled the public's concerns about the allegations surrounding the First Lady? Yeah, truth be known, uh, my stance always has been that this bag giving uh, is a serious matter, but not serious enough to, you know, uh, have all the headlines on a newspaper and the public discussion. However, the, the reality is that people are uh, uh, curious about this, uh, curious and also uh, think it's a major issue. So I, I thought that last, last night's answer of the president, uh, he made too light of a matter when it came to his wife and this expensive back situation. I, I think the KBS reporter collaborated this. He called it a pouch, a small bag of, of foreign brand. Um, but it's not just a bag. The bag represents his wife's unchecked activities that people suspect of becoming meddlesome and in also violation of uh, uh, current laws, uh, the Improper Solicitation and Graft Act, at least. So uh, I, I think that people would ask that uh, if something like this have happened to uh, the wife of the opposition party, uh, I think there would have been a major uh, investigation in this. So uh, I, I think that this has become a political uh, risk that the, not necessarily so uh, the president is making it uh, more serious than uh, needed to. I, I, I think that yesterday's answer did not convince people that this is, has been explained away or resolved. So unnecessarily so, I think that, that going forward, uh, this first lady risk might become bigger and a, a very dangerous uh, stumbling block in the upcoming general elections. 
Professor Kim, what did you make about the President's comments on the luxury bag controversy surrounding the First Lady? My take on this might be slightly different from Professor Song, and maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Let me try this. Uh, as I was listening to Pref President Yoon's comments, what I saw was here is Yoon Sung Yeol, the human being that we've known uh, for years. That is very straightforward, <clears throat> speaking of his mind uh, and trying not to play too much trick in terms of the words he was offering. Uh, let me try this. I, I, think, I think he was sincere in terms of from his perspective, his own perspective, uh, what he was saying to me kind of made sense, all right? And uh, uh, most of the things that he was saying about this bag and this occasion, to me, it made a lot of sense. But of course, it did not resonate with the general public uh, sentiment at all. So it was very uh, stubborn, uh, one-directional, uh, Yoon sung style talk. And to me, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I belong to a very small minority who thought, yes, what you're saying uh, makes sense. Uh, but, however, it doesn't address, as the president who leads the country uh, with Korean people, uh, you did not address the feelings and emotions of Korean people. What I'm saying is that uh, having made all those points, still he should have apologized for the mistake that has been made. But he didn't say it was a mistake. He didn't uh, show any intention to apologize. This is politics. This is not a legalistic uh, performance at a court where you have to be extremely careful about not making you know, uh, unnecessary apologies and everything like that. But, but as a jurist, jurist, I think he acted based on his past uh, uh, you know, experience and he was not an uh, effective politician. So, so yeah, I felt uh, you know, it went very short in terms of uh, his having to deal with this uh, important issue at a very important uh, opportunity. Okay, so that was the New Year interview, and you've both given your thoughts on some of the key points that were uh, covered in it. But then let us look ahead then, finally. President Yoon is approaching his second anniversary in office, and he still has over three years of his term left. What more would you like to see from the Yoon administration going forward? What can the Yoon administration do better in terms of handling state affairs? Uh, let me start with you, Professor Kim. Well, uh, overall, you know, I want him to have more conversation like this with the people. Well, not like this, uh, improved form. Uh, I want him to, to touch upon the issues, uh, sensitive issues that people care about. And there, you know, some of the critical media have pointed out there are long list of issues that he did not uh, uh, touch upon. Uh, Itaewon, uh, special law that was vetoed, and the investigation at the Marine Corps, and Hong Bomdo related historical, uh, you know, uh, disputes and uh, the, the 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 legal uh, actions uh, taken towards the former uh, ministers of the previous administration, uh, different things. And so uh, the time was it was not enough time, even though it was it went too long as one program. What I mean. By that, he should have more interaction with the people, making his case to the people going forward. Uh, that's what I want to uh, look forward to uh, after watching a program like this. And then, you know, of course, uh, unlike uh, Professor Song, I like some of the touchy-feely part of the program. Uh, 
recognizing that it's their effort, uh, presidential office's effort to, to get closer to the people. Uh, I like to welcome that kind of efforts going forward, but this time, you know, the, the lack of, uh, the, the fact that it came uh, too late after such a long period of silence, 18 months after his last press conference. That's a long time. And so, uh, again, among many things I could say about what I'm looking forward to in terms of his remaining term, after watching this, uh, I like to say that he needs to interact with people more through channels like this, but improved forms, sort of like in the similar genre or similar style of communication uh, with the people more directly, getting, getting to the heart of the Korean people. And finally, Professor Song, what more would you like to see from the UN administration going forward? Yeah, regardless of criticisms, we got to turn this around. We voters elected him, so we're stuck with the president for the remainder of his term. Um, we expected that there would be a learning curve, but uh, the disappointment is that he's not becoming more presidential. He's not getting more comfortable governing and getting better at politics, it seems. Uh, so I, I think that he should delegate his state affairs to experts and technocrats more. Uh, and um, this might weaken the drive for reforms, but uh, I think we have to uh, restore the norms and conventions of politics uh, in Korea. And the, another expectation or, or the, the, the point uh, in the upcoming general election, if the third party, if we cannot trust the ruling and the opposition major parties, uh, there has to be an additional actor or additional player uh, to provide better checks and balances. Uh, in any case, I think it's we're uh, in it uh, for the duration and we're on the same boat. Uh, I have no doubt that the, the president wants to do well and uh, his intentions, but uh, limitations and limitations. He has to face it very uh, clearly and uh, make some major changes and corrective actions in the policies and how he communicates with people and how we work with, especially the opposition party. We'll leave it there. We've been speaking to affiliate professor Kim Byung-ju from the Hungry University of Foreign Studies and Professor Song Se-ryeon from Gyeonggi University. Thank you both for your time today. Thank, Thank you very much. It's time for our weekly segment, Explore Korea, where we journey across the peninsula, discovering some of the cultural and travel highlights that the nation has to offer. We do that with our special contributors or explorers. And joining us this week, it is a cultural reporter from the Korea Joang Daily, Yi Ji-an. Ji-an, hello and welcome back. Hi, Jango. Good to see you again. OK, so what do you have for us today? Okay, so along with food and travel, which I've been talking about before mostly, mm. I also cover musical theater in Korea. Okay. And Korea, if you don't already know, has an incredibly vibrant musical theater scene. From small Taeyanglo plays to medium and large size licensed or new musicals, Seoul will likely have a show for anyone, really, with an appetite for quality theater. Mm. So among them, I want to introduce today a very interesting new musical that is playing in town, and it's called Il Tenore. It's a heavily historical show, but deals with profound universal themes about dreams. Okay, so il tenore, that's a, an Italian word, right? But understand the musical is set here in South Korea. 
It is. Um, I don't want to give too much away about the plot, but to simply uh, put it, Il Tenore is about a group of student activists during the Japanese colonial period in Korea, which lasted from 1910 to 1945, mm. who decided to stage Korea's first ever opera with the intent to covertly deliver the message of Korean independence. Now, Il Tenore means tenor in Italian, and it chiefly follows the opera's male lead, tenor, uh, Yu in Son, as well as director Seo Jin-yeon and stage designer Lee Soo-han, whose love, passion, and dreams crisscross during the darkest times in the country's history. That is a fascinating setup. Korea's first locally staged opera during the Japanese colonial period. There's also a very prominent political context as well. With that in mind then, for those who might not be, uh, for those who uh, might be inclined to check out this show. What sort of historical background do you think would be useful to know before seeing it? Mm, so the show is set in Gyeongseong, which is what Seoul was called during the Joseon Dynasty and the setting is around 1930s. The Japanese government general of Korea heavily censored all press during this time and later even plays about Joseon. And this is why the fictional student activist group in Il Tenore, called Munhak Group, comes up with this idea of staging an opera. And their opera, titled Il Sognatori, or The Dreamers, isn't necessarily about Korea, yet still tells a story that is similar to Korea's situation as mm. the actors say on stage. And one of the main characters, Lee Sun, is inspired by Korea's real first ever tenor, Lee In Sun. He has passed away now, but is known to be the pioneer of opera in Korea. And he is also the one who staged the actual first opera in Korea, La Traviata, in 1948. Right, so he's based on a real historical figure, Lee In Sun. Can you tell us more about him? Yeah, so Lee was born in Pyongyang in 1906 and grew up under a pastor father. So naturally, he was surrounded by a lot of American missionaries, and they apparently taught him how to sing and play the piano when he was young. He didn't initially pursue music, however, and enrolled in Yonsei University's medical program to become a doctor in 1927. And he, the records show that he was a decent doctor, but Lee turned back to singing and became the first Korean to go to Italy to study opera. And three years later, in 1937, he came back to Korea and held a solo concert in Bumingwan, which was a large new music venue at the time that staged various Western plays and ballet, as well as Imperial Japan's uh, propaganda. Mm. The Bumingwan building appears in Il Tenore as well, and it actually still exists today as the Seoul Metropolitan Council building in Jung District. And Lee, after that solo concert, went on to perform around Asia and became widely praised as a talented tenor. Mm. And in 1946, he established Korea's Bel Canto Society. Today, it's known as the Korea Vocal Society. And this was in order to foster classical singing talents in Korea. And this is around the time that he put up Korea's first opera as well, where he is said to have produced and translated the entire show while also taking on three roles simultaneously. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Il Tenore takes parts of this history to create its own story. He's quite a remarkable figure then. He has quite a rich history to build this story from, it seems. So Il Tenore is inspired by his story, but, uh, but not necessarily based on real events, you're saying. Yes. Still, it sounds like a fascinating new musical. It's always exciting to see 
new musicals on the scene, right? Absolutely. New musicals mean that they have original stories that aren't based on another story, like in books or movies. So for instance, School of Rock, which is also playing at the Seoul Arts Center, is based on the 2003 movie of the same title featuring Jack Black. Right. As an avid theater goer and a writer, it is always exciting to see new musicals surface, and after oftentimes years and years of planning. And they aren't always very good in the first place, Um, They get better as (laughs) seasons go on with improvements. But Il Tenore was especially impressive in how polished it was, even though it was the first time being staged in front of a commercial audience. So it's playing at the CJ Tour Theater, which which has just over a thousand seats, meaning it's certainly bigger than the smaller theaters in Taegno, but smaller than other larger theaters, which have around 1,400 seats. The show is some 150 minutes, including intermission. I see. So that sounds uh, very impressive indeed. Who's behind the original story of Il Tenore? So the book is by Hugh Park and Will Aronson, and the two are famous for writing the beloved musical in Korea, Maybe a Happy Ending. And that is also a beautiful piece of theater, um, a futuristic romance show about two robots in Seoul. (laughs) And it's set (laughs) to return this June for its fifth run, if anyone is willing to check it out. And producing Il Tenore is OD Company, which is quite a hot production company these days because it's been behind the upcoming Broadway's Great Gatsby musical. I see. So so then, Jian, tell us, overall, what did you think of it? You said you were impressed with how polished it was considering how new it is. It was a very refreshing piece of theater because of a few reasons. Uh, First, it was because of the complexity of the plot. The story moves on a world of its own and defies our expectations in the best of ways, I think, because there is romance, grief, and patriotism, but they aren't the main themes of the show. Il Tenore is ultimately about dreams, both attainable and unattainable. And I think we can all relate to the fluttery feeling that (laughs) having a dream can bring and also the pain in the course of pursuing it or when the realization hits that when dreams are not possible sometimes. Mm. The musical outlines all these through the characters very thoroughly and in this way, Il Tenore feels both incredibly hopeful and devastating, but beautiful no matter what because dreaming something and working towards a dream, even if that doesn't come true, it's a beautiful thing that we should never stop doing. Mm. And it's all done in the musical in a very subtle manner, which is characteristic of the Aronson Park duo's work. Aronson's score incorporating classical music with full orchestra down in the pit doesn't quite often have a bang number, but it is nonetheless lovely and flows seamlessly with the plot while Mm. also driving it forward. I see. And what about the cast? I understand there are non-Korean performers and characters in the show as well. There is. Um, so it boasts an outstanding cast who bring their distinct colors and interpretations to the role. Also, like you said, has two American actors, Adriana Tomeo and Brooke Prince, for the role of Madame Becker, who is an American missionary and a formal opera singer who teaches classical music at a women's university and spots uh, musical talent in Isan. And I actually had the opportunity to interview Ms. Tomeo last week, and she was telling me how impressed she was upon encountering the script, calling it, quote-unquote, the most honest storytelling that I've ever seen in a long time. And I actually couldn't agree with her more. While the show can use some upgrades, especially in its choreography, it is a rare piece of theater that personally makes me excited about the future of Korean theater, not mm. only in Korea, but also in the world. 
Um, as this time is, uh, many people or many Korean musical these days are making their way abroad, whether that be other parts of Asia or on Broadway. And Odi Company's lead producer, Shin Chun Su, in January had actually told me that he's very open to the idea of staging Il Tenori abroad. So we'll have to see. Well, that would be exciting uh, to see, certainly, indeed. It's great to hear of another new musical, one that sounds so interesting as well, especially after the struggles the industry faced during the pandemic years mm-hmm. that still fresh in our minds. Right. Uh, this one sounds particularly fascinating uh, as well. It's called, once again, uh, Il Tenore, currently playing at the Cide Tor Tower at Seoul Art Centre. And that's all for our Explore career this week. Jian, thank you for introducing us to that musical and uh, we'll see you next time take care take care thank you and that's where we bring our show to a close today now tomorrow we'll be off for our lunar new year break instead we'll be airing a rerun of our new year's day special singing the year of the blue dragon so we hope you enjoy that in the meantime career 24 will be back on monday with all the latest news updates analysis Till then, we hope all our listeners have a wonderful Lunar New Year holiday. I've been your host, Kwon Jang-ho, and thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye. Don't even think about checking that message or texting back. Did you know it only takes three seconds after a driver's attention has been diverted from the road for a crash to occur? Texting while driving is six times more likely to cause an accident than driving under the influence of alcohol. Sending or reading a text message causes drivers, on average, to take their eyes off the road for five seconds. When driving at 80 kilometers per hour, that means that drivers travel approximately the length of a football field with their eyes closed. At KBS World Radio, we value our listeners' safety and well-being. If you're listening to our programs while driving via your mobile device, please hit play before you set off on your journey. If you receive a message or call while driving, either use a hands-free Bluetooth device to respond or wait until you've arrived at your destination. You're not just putting your life at risk. Distracted driving accounts for approximately 25% of all motor vehicle crash fatalities. Arrive alive. Kichan Chan Sang Pyong. Back to Heaven by Chun Sang-byung 나 하늘로 돌아가리라 새벽빛와 닿으면 쓰러지는 이슬 더불어 손에 손을 잡고 I'll go back to Heaven again hand in hand with the dew that melts at a touch of the dawning day 나 하늘로 돌아가리라 노을빛 함께 단 둘이서 기슭에서 놀다가 구름 손짓하면은 I'll go back to heaven again with the dusk together just we two at a sign from a cloud 
after playing on the slopes. 나 하늘로 돌아가리라. 아름다운 이 세상 소풍 끝내는 날 가서 아름다웠더라고 말하리라. I'll go back to heaven again at the end of my outing to this beautiful world. I'll go back and say that was beautiful. 